what I've come to realize is the real simple pieces of life have been what has brought me the most joy. Falling in love, having a home that I consider to be a sanctuary, going hiking in the canyons, being in the bathtub with bubble bath and candles, listening to spiritual music or just dance music and having fun and feeling joy and lightness having deep conversations with people like you and really talking about the importance of tuning into the authentic self and then also knowing that I have meaning and purpose and impact in everything that I do, or at least in a lot of things that I do, including my work. It all begins by understanding the mind. I want to be happy now. I don't care about the future. I want to be happy right now. You are not alone. You are never, ever, ever alone in this. It's helped my voice grow and given me freedom to be creative on my own. I'm Christina Barcy. Welcome to Be Bold Begin, a podcast dedicated to you, the creative, the healer, and the innovator. The topics and conversations we have here are designed to help you discover what might be getting in your way and offer you tools, techniques, and guidance to move through them. I live in the imposter's body more than I live in my own body. I don't have to feel like I don't deserve this. This is where creativity and healing intersect. If you decide to be bold and begin, you have the opportunity to feel humbled and empowered. I totally believe that. I'm a certified Kaizen Muse creativity coach, a certified Reiki energy healer, and an entrepreneur, artist, and presenter. I will share with you my experiences, my proven tools and techniques that helped me and my clients and loved ones shift and expand in the areas they most desired. This is a gentle and open space where you will hear how others are being bold to encourage you to begin your own journey or expand the one you're on. This is Be Bold Begin. Hi, welcome back. This is Barcy, your host. Today we're talking about meditation and the way it can serve as an entry point to connecting with ourselves, or it can even serve as a catalyst for bigger realizations or shifts that we may need. We also talk about how over time, meditation can actually change the formation of the brain. Our guest today is Norma Rubio. She is a Latina Emmy-winning multimedia producer, writer, and meditation teacher in Los Angeles. She shares her mission is to help us heal together through mindfulness and storytelling. And just to share a little more about Norma, through a long winding journey, Norma has landed upon her true calling, sharing the practices of mindfulness, self-compassion, and storytelling through TV writing, producing, and teaching meditation. At her core, Norma has always longed to deepen her own experiences and gain freedom through meditation. She evolved into a meditation teacher through her training at UCLA, UCSD, and mindful schools. Her greatest intention is to cultivate a safe, authentic environment for others in both her careers. She believes we all have the wisdom inside ourselves to heal and become more at ease in our busy lives. Norma is also the host of the Inner Peace Masterclass series, where she interviewed more than a dozen thought leaders on the subject of inner peace. She is honored to be sharing her love for meditation and storytelling. Norma is definitely a kindred spirit and another guest that took some time to get booked on the show over a year, actually, but it was so, so worth the wait. If you're curious about meditation or you already have a practice, I think you're really going to enjoy my conversation with Norma Rubio. So welcome, Norma. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm so glad to finally have you on the show. We've been trying to get this going for over a year now, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's finally happening. I'm so glad that you're here. And we gratefully got to speak a few times, actually got to meet you in person even, which is not always the case. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really nice to actually have you here now and I get to share you with my listeners. So, (laughs) so lovely to be here. 
Yeah. So I realized that in the times that we've shared before, I don't really know your full story. So I would love to hear that. And of course, for my listeners to hear it as well, what your background is and maybe how that led you to finding meditation because you're a certified meditation practitioner, right? How would you say that properly? (laughs) Yeah, you could say I'm a certified meditation facilitator or teacher. Wonderful. Yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what life was like before, what led you to that and maybe what you love about it. Mm. Oh gosh. How much time do you have? I know that's the whole episode. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That alone is like three episodes actually. No, I can probably streamline it to some extent. Here's what I can tell you is growing up in a Mexican household. So I'm the daughter of an immigrant in middle America One of the things that I think I sort of internalized as a child is that if I want to belong, then I better achieve. I was a big striver. Like I really worked hard to do good in school, to just, you know, try to make achievements in my world and life. And so that led to a lot of pressure that I would put on myself. So I can remember as a child, whether it was sports or student council or getting good grades or being in theater, like... Mm. I just wanted to do great. I wanted to be the best. And I thought that if I could do that, then that would mean that I could belong and that I would be loved. Mm -hmm. And of course, I didn't know that then. It's what I know now, how that sort of manifests over time was this pressure cooker of I've got to do great things and I've got to achieve and I've got to be amazing at everything that I do, which can create a lot of anxiety, of course. And so Interestingly, I seem to have attracted a very sort of aligned careers with that kind of mentality of like the pressure cooker, urgent deadlines, needing to always be on call, always traveling. Mm. And then over time, you start to realize that that may not be sustainable, like always on call and never sleeping and always working, working, working. So it really feels like you can, when you're kind of in that mindset of like, I'm always trying to get somewhere and be somebody. I was not always living in the present. And so it dawned on me one day, I shouldn't say one day, it was a long time coming, but I finally realized over time that I didn't want to spend my life constantly in worry and panic and stress and that I was missing out on the everyday moments by always worrying. And so I set out on this path to really figure out how can I eradicate some of that worry and panic and stress and get to a place of more basically inner peace. So eventually I realized I'm not actually looking to achieve. I'm actually looking for peace of mind. And I thought that if I achieve, then I could get peace of mind and I would be loved. But really peace of mind comes from being present and being real and being me. So that's kind of the overall summary of the journey to getting to where I discovered meditation. Wow. I got chills when you said that last statement about inner peace and how we think that achieving is going to give us that feeling that we're looking for, that acceptance almost. Mm -hmm. Like I relate a lot to what you just shared. And I think a lot of women do in general. And then I think a lot of women of color do more so. And immigrants, I'm a daughter of an immigrant family as well. And that perfectionism is such a big part of how things often manifest in the second generation who, you know, lives here and grows up here and has to be in the world here in the United States. Not everyone's in the United States who's listening, but it's a very U.S. immigrant story in a way that I think a lot of us can relate to it. And you speak it so well. It sounds like you've thought about this a lot and (laughs) in, in a way that you've gained a lot of clarity around where it was coming from and how you might move out of that And I think meditation gets overlooked sometimes or gets oversimplified maybe, but it can have these big shifts from living in this external way and starting to live in an internal way to develop that inner peace. I think everything's internal and then becomes external. So I think meditation is a great key for that. Is that what you experienced? Was it easy right away? Were you like, oh, this is it? Or was it something that you had to come to like? Or what was the experience like for you? The older I get, the more I realize that I have a tendency to overcomplicate everything and that at the end of the day, if you just go back to the basics and get really super simple, that for me tends to be the key. But I tell the story often of how I discovered meditation because I was raised in a pretty religious household, but 
I was praying and meditating since an early age, although I wasn't calling it meditation at the time. And then years ago, I went to this yoga center in Mexico and I had been doing yoga and that was like a moving meditation for me that I didn't even realize it was at the time. But I just remember thinking, wow, like for the whole hour and a half I was doing yoga, I wasn't thinking about work. I wasn't thinking about anything other than being in my body and breathing and being present. It was really the beginning for me. That was my entry point to meditation without realizing it. So I ended up at this yoga retreat center in the early 2000s, I believe it was, in Mexico. And they had meditation every morning. In addition to yoga, they had this, like, you can show up at 8.30 every morning and go sit on this platform and meditate. I was like, you know, I've been hearing so much about this meditation and I'm going to go. And there was nobody there. <laughs> it was just me. Wow. So I would just sit on this platform every morning overlooking the ocean and trying to figure out what this meditation thing was about. So I would just sit there and then I was like sweating and it would be really hot. And then I was like, this is ridiculous. What am I doing? I don't even know what I'm doing. And then something kept just pulling me there every single morning because I'd heard so much about the benefits of meditation and how people were being transformed and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, something in me just kept showing up every morning at 8.30. And at one point, I remember having the thought and kind of laughing at myself. I was like, man, I am so Elizabeth Gilbert and eat, pray, love right now. Like there are flies I want to swat away. Sweat is dripping. I can't not think. And this is just miserable. What am I doing? <laughs> I just kind of like out of giggle, right? Oh so five, six days go by and I'm still showing up and I'm still miserable every morning. Day seven, the last day of this retreat, I show up on this platform all alone and all of a sudden... I had this mantra that I remember from my childhood days of be still and know. And I was like, man, my head was just going. And I was like, just be still, just be still, just be still and know. And I was like, just stop everything. Be still and know. And I just kept repeating that over and over. And all of a sudden, I felt my nervous system just completely settle and relax. And then I took a deep breath and tears. I literally started weeping. And it was like, I saw this vision of me jumping off a cliff with wings. Oh my gosh. And then the message that I got was, you are enough, Norma. You are enough just as you are. And then I just kept repeating, I am enough. I am enough. And that was the last day of the retreat for me. And I couldn't get that hour out of my mind from that day on, I was sold on meditation. I had recognized that if I took even just a moment to breathe and be present and be in my body and just allow whatever thoughts were happening, all the worries I could just put aside for the time I was sitting there, that I could actually connect into this place of inner knowing. And the inner knowing really was about me loving myself, and finally believing in me and knowing that it's okay just to be me. That literally brought tears to my eyes hearing you speak about it. And what a powerful experience. What a powerful moment and vision and ability to connect to that part of yourself that is so free that feels like it can fly off mm -hmm. a cliff. And that it's like this gentleness of being and this power of soaring all at the same time. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I developed wings in Mexico on that day. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. oh, like the power is all within you. Like you've been searching all over the place and it's always been right here within you. Sometimes it feels cliche to say that out loud, but when you experience it on such a deep level, it's kind of like, I don't care how cliche it sounds. It was the experience that actually helped me start to embody and ground into the idea and even the possibility that me, just as I am, without anything else, all the noise, can be enough. That like mm -hmm. it doesn't require me to be somebody I'm not, have a job that's like what everybody thinks is amazing. It just me alone having a conversation with you in this moment can be just enough. And it can also mean that I can be loved and that I can belong. 
and that I can bring light and love into the world. And all of the things that I just deeply craved, like connection and all of that, and then it's all there and it's already there and I don't have to seek for it anymore. Yeah. And it's always been there. Yes. Yeah. There's so much almost like relief. It feels like an exhale Mm -hmm. in the way that you shared it. And it's such a great reminder to hear you talk about that because it helps me remember that. And I hope it helps others remember that, that I say it all the time, like you are enough. I say it all the time, but to hear someone else say it, it's a different energy and it's nice to hear it outside of me. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think it's like a universal struggle that so many of us hold because we condition ourselves over time to believe that I shouldn't speak for everybody, but for myself to believe that I'm only enough if, mm-hmm. if this, if that, and it's usually on the outside when in fact, you know, I was born enough and so were you. Right. And I'll add enough when to like, we think we have to become something or step into something. And when we do, we'll have fill in the blank, some kind of fulfillment, some kind of thing that we're told is important, that makes us important. Yeah. That makes us worthy of, again, fill in the blank. That could be love. That could be prosperity or, you know, whatever it is. It speaks so closely to worth, I think, and how we value or what we value, maybe like what processes we value, what ideas we value and how we value ourselves is such a reflection of what those things are. And it can really, really change. It does feel like a simplification because it feels like things start to fall away for me. And what's left is this, what you shared about inner peace. And really at the end of the day, it's love and peace. And as hippie as that sounds, (laughs) like I know that, like you said, it's like, yes, sometimes it does sound cliche, but it's truly at the end of the day, like that's what we want. That's what we have already. Yeah. We allow it to be the thing that we connect with what we seek. Yeah. And we have the choice. You know, I oftentimes think about this, like I can choose to be in fear or I can choose to be in love. I can choose to be in worry or I can choose to be in love. I can choose to act from fear or I can choose to act from love. And a lot of times I'll hear people say like one of the questions about meditation is like, well, will I lose my edge? You know, like, will this make me not ambitious anymore? I have that fear. Yeah. Yeah. It's a common one, right? Like it's like this idea that we're going to just become so la la la, surfer bro or whatever, like. And we're just going to lose that sort of ambition or the hustle or the the thing that has made us successful in the world. And I think what I've come to realize is, first of all, one has to find out what works for oneself, right? Like it's really important to explore and determine, at least for me, determine for me what works for me. Because a lot of people have a lot of opinions, but ultimately you're the decider. And secondly... I realized over time that meditation for me has actually made me more empowered to make the hard decisions and to set the boundaries and to be in charge and to embody the divine feminine wisdom that we hold and to be able to act from that place, right? So now I can choose when I'm, you know, leading a team of people, I can choose, am I going to be a leader or am I going to manage? Am I going to be Mm. someone who is exuding kind and compassionate strength or am I going to be a dictator and full Mm. of like ego and act from a place of fear, therefore not trusting my team, right? So if anything, I think it has become more empowering and it's made my edge less hard around the edges, right? It's a little softer. And I really do believe if you think about it, like all the great leaders, you know, the nonviolence and the idea that if you act from a place of love, that's actually where change really happens. Mm. Yes, people will respond to fear because it triggers the amygdala part of us that the fight, flight or fear that we think is going to keep us safe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But what is going to be sustainable over time? And that, in my opinion, for me and my experience has been choosing to act out of love when possible. I'm not perfect at it, but I try. (laughs) Yeah, it's a practice too. It's a thing we have to decide and choose to practice each moment. 
Yes, it is. It's a lot about practice. I mean, I've not yet met anyone who does it perfectly. Nor should we. I mean, where's the growth in that? (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I know. I hate that part, but yes, it's true. I know. (laughs) Sometimes I love it. Sometimes I hate it. It depends on how it shows up. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because as a business owner, and I think a lot of people who listen are in a space where they either would like to step into that for themselves or have some form of brand or business that they're working within. Maybe they're a solopreneur, as people say, Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. or wanting to start. It's a lot of creatives to listen to and wanting to connect the two things. And it's like, there's all this rhetoric around how creative people specifically like you know, the whole ideas around wealth and money and receiving and things that you create because you love them. And it's like, well, if you love it so much, you should do for free. And it's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So it's like really kind of these conversations and talking about it from a perspective where there is action as part of the conversation and choices. And the reality is, is that we need money to live like we do. And we have to have some way for that to come in for us in our lives. And what if we did it through love? What if we brought it in through something we love or with the energy of love or by choosing to do it with love versus fear? And you're right. Things will come in. You can still operate under fear. You can still be quote unquote visually or successful externally identified as successful, but you may not feel that way. And that's when things start to fall apart. You know, when we're like, well, I don't understand, you know, Mm. I'm doing all the right things. And Mm -hmm. it's like this energy shift is at the core of that, of how we start to actually experience it as something we want. Yeah. I mean, and that takes time to cultivate as well, right? Sometimes we don't even know that we're acting from that place. And when I become conscious of it, it's like, oh, wow, even still I'll act out of fear. Like I might even still know and be conscious. Oh gosh, there's this poem, something, something in one chapter or in five chapters or something. And it's basically, it says, I walked down the street and there was a pothole or a hole in the street and I fell in the hole. And it was like the next day I walked down the street and I saw the hole and I fell in anyway. And then the next day I walked down the street, I saw the hole and I walked around it. And then the next day I woke up, I took a different street. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. I've never heard that. I mean, I'm I'm not doing the poem justice. I'll send it to you afterwards. Wonderful. (laughs) But the idea is, is that I think that that's human nature, right? That we don't necessarily just get it overnight. Sometimes it takes like practice. You know, in meditation, we talk about the grooves in the brain that are created through the different experiences and our woundings and our trauma. And Mm. now science is showing that we can actually help recreate some of those groups through consistent meditation over time. And so to me, that says like, oh, give yourself a little bit of grace. Like, yeah, you're going to sometimes still know that it may not be the right thing and that you're doing it out of ego or fear, but you're still choosing that. And that's empowering in itself too. And then maybe the next time you just take a different street because you know, oh, shoot, that leads to suffering over there. I know where that leads and I'm not going there anymore. And so for me personally, I've had to give myself a little bit of grace around that and trust that like, yeah, sometimes my process means that I'm going to have to suffer a little bit and I've made it through in the past. So I'll make it through this time. And then sometimes I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not suffering this time. You said so many key things there that are so accurate in the way that it happens. It's in the way that these moments can occur. It's like, all right, so I've become aware enough to know that maybe I want to start choosing a different street, but like, when do I choose a different street? Like what scenario? It can take years to start really choosing the other street. (laughs) I mean, the, the awareness part is so important is just knowing that you have a choice that alone is enough for a long time, I think, or it can be. Yeah. Just knowing that there's another option that was so shifting for me when I was taking my creativity coaching program, that was really shifting for me. And I learned a lot of principal things that I had no idea were even an option. Mm. I didn't know I could change the way I think 
to that level. I didn't know I had that much choice. I didn't know that I could actually operate from an intuitive place and that all the voices in my head were noise, not all of them, some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I learned so much about fear. I mean, there were so many options presented to me that I had no idea were available. And so I love that you brought up, give yourself grace because you can't ever be where you aren't already. It's like, you can't know what you don't know kind of a thing. But when you start pulling on your curiosity a little, then a few more options present themselves. And then you keep going, hopefully like being curious is so wonderful to leverage too. When we Mm. want to become more aware and become more compassionate. I think curiosity is really connected to compassion as well. But I also am so interested in what you shared about the brain pathways. And can you talk more on that? Or Well, I'm not a scientist, but I have learned a little bit about how the brain works in relation to meditation. And we have this little piece in the back of our brain called the amygdala, and it's the stress piece of the brain, right, that gets activated when we are feeling like we're in threat. And so oftentimes it's fight, flight, or freeze. And I think there's another one now that they're talking about fight, flight, or freeze Mm -hmm. and something else. I have to look it up. And so the amygdala serves a purpose, right? It wants to keep us alive. So back in the day before we had our technology and when we were hunting and gathering for food, oh my gosh, lions and tigers and bears, like watch out. Our lives are in threat. We've got to run for our lives and go get somewhere safe, right? So this amygdala piece would get activated and it would say, go get safe. So what has happened over time is that our brains have started reacting in that way to things that may not necessarily be life-threatening. So, I mean, I know for me, I'll speak for me personally, like I'll just get an email or a text and I'll be like, panic. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It's like the feeling is I've got to run from my life. Although I'm not consciously thinking that, right? But the feeling is my nervous system starts to panic and react. And what if this? And what if that? And what if this? And what if that? And so over time, my nervous system, it almost wants to flatline because it's just been programmed to respond in that way over and over and over again. And so what meditation has brought me was a reprogramming of that. Mm. I can actually now, I have tools and I have a consistent practice that will help me understand in those moments that, oh my God, this is not a life or death situation or email or text or whatever. It's actually just an email Mm -hmm. or just a text. And if I can work through the tools that I have to understand that and breathe and get into my body and slowly over time, when I get that same kind of email or text, I can go, oh, Hmm, I can actually see it for what it is. Oh, this person is saying this. Okay, my response is actually this. Or, yeah, that elicits anger in me. And it's okay that I have anger. I'm going to wait until that anger has subsided so I can react in a place of alignment and integrity and compassion and love, right? Versus reacting in what we call reactivity state and then saying something that I might regret. And so there are studies now that have shown that over time, if you consistently meditate, and I can't tell you the exact dates because I haven't seen the research in a while, but it does take a little bit of time, at least six weeks, if not more. And if you consistently do it over time, there are grooves that get made in the brain and they can actually start to be reprogrammed and rewired through a consistent meditation practice so that we're not just immediately going to that default state of, ah. You know, and we're just going, oh, okay. And we do, we get curious. Mm -hmm. We say, hmm. Or we just notice, oh, that makes me feel panicked and worried. As opposed to, oh my God, I'm going to (laughs) die or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think it helps to link it to something that is science-based sometimes because it helps us understand that the impact is more than just in the moment. Mm-hmm. which is great. I mean, that's a wonderful gift on its own, but to know that it has a longevity that can actually transform how we make those connections in our mind and body over time and in a sustainable long-term way, that's really, really powerful. It really changes the idea of practice in a sense. It's like, I can actually practice how to think differently now 
and that this physiology in my brain will help me with that. That's really cool. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it was years ago when I was reading research on it. So it's been a while and I'm sure it's probably evolved over time. At the time, it was relatively new, but it was really, really promising. And like anything, you know, even in science, it takes time and lots of studies and lots of brain mapping and whatnot. But pretty much most even like therapists and doctors that you talk to, Nowadays, it's become more widely accepted in the mainstream medical communities to even almost prescribe meditation. I always say it's not for everybody. And also for people with like really deep trauma wounding, it's you definitely want to be with a professional and it's definitely not a panacea. Like it's not going to cure everything. There are, especially when it comes to our childhood wounds and whatnot, right? But for me personally, I have experienced it to be very transformational in my own life and in many of the people's lives who I know also have a consistent meditation practice. Yeah. And then again, like I say, even the Buddha himself said, try it and see if it works for you because it may not work for you. You got to experience it only and see. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because it's true. Like there's so many ways in literally like, like find your inner connection with yourself and, and the timing is important. Sometimes what didn't work before might shift into something that is more interesting to you later or vice versa. Like, Oh, this was really great before. I don't know why it's not working now. Or like you may need a new entry point or just another way to connect with yourself. And I go through different modalities that I need in the moment. So it's nice to have a toolbox, if you will, like of a few things yes. that resonate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is one of them. And I say entry point because I notice a lot of us who find something that we like to lean into, like meditation for yourself, as you've shared. And yoga was your original entry point. And I have about two or three as well that I feel like, oh, it was like a new entry point almost. It's not like I was starting over, but sometimes it feels like I'm starting over. <laughs> and, yeah, and then something, yeah. And then it's like, I have amnesia about everything that I'd learned and <laughs> I have to start all over and I need a new entry point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's definitely happened. Now I can go, oh, that's what that was. You know, you're in that place where you're like, Oh God, something needs to change. Now, what do I do? And that can happen too. So yeah, I think it's important to mention all of that. Speaking of transforming, I feel like you are in a particular moment in your life right now where there's a shift happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm gathering that through the conversations that we've had previously leading up to this since it took a year. We've talked a couple times. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But you're in a very different place today than you were in a year ago when we first chatted about connecting this way. And I would love to hear sort of your perspective. I know you're in the middle of it right now, but I think you've done a lot of work already and have the awareness to speak on it. But I'd love to know what you are experiencing and what led you to the moment you're in now. Mm, Yeah. Here's what I can tell you at this phase in my life. I am recognizing the power and the beauty of really leaning into my deep connections with humans, Mm -hmm. especially post-pandemic, you know, and recognizing how much we really need one another. You know, the Surgeon General just declared loneliness an epidemic. Like, Uh this is some serious stuff here. Like, we need one another. And I've been a hustler and a strong, independent woman like my whole life and a career woman and a go-getter and a boss lady and a this and a that. And I think all of that has been wonderful and it's gotten me to some really amazing places and had some really incredible experiences. But again, coming back to what we talked about before, what I've come to realize is the real simple pieces of life have been what has brought me the most joy falling in love, having a home that I consider to be a sanctuary, going hiking in the canyons, being in the bathtub with bubble bath and candles, listening to spiritual music or just dance music and having fun and feeling joy and lightness, having deep conversations with people like you and really talking about the importance of tuning into the authentic self and then also knowing that I have meaning and purpose and impact in everything that I do, or at least in a lot of things that I do, including my work. All of that is really what matters to me now. And so 
as a result of that, I've had to make some really hard decisions about what I'm doing with my life. And so I'm really in that place of like determining, you know, what's the next dream? What's the next dream for me? And I'm not exactly sure. I don't know the specifics of what that is, but I know that if I take the time to settle and not be on the go, 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 go 24 seven and take time to sort of like meditate and percolate in the desires of the dreamland and what that means for me and not attached by the way anymore to like the form but really just dive into like the essence of what I really desire and then let it go and just be like, okay, universe, like this is what I would love, but I really want what's best for my highest good and those around me and the people that I love. Mm -hmm. Then I know that that is going to be key. So for now where I'm at, when you say, you know, transition, I'm in this place of like really wanting to understand what's next for me in my career specifically because I finally have gotten to this place where I've created a really lovely, dreamy home life and I want to maintain it and have a little more space for the things that I love, like the dancing and the bath taking and the hiking and the yoga. And I would love to get into a sangha again or like some sort of spiritual community with other like-minded individuals and take the time to do that too. So less hustle and grind and more space And then career-wise, like I want to know that what I'm doing matters to me, but also is meaningful and has impact in a positive way. So I don't have the answers at all right now. And so talk to me in a year and let's see where we're at. But I know that that's what I desire today. Thank you for that. And I think it's really beautiful that you don't have the answers right now in form because that's what shift looks like. That's what makes this moment so unique and important and special. And it is this sort of like anything's possible moment. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So it goes like this. Anything's possible. I know it. And oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what am I going to (laughs) do? Right. Well, but anything's possible. Just trust and believe. (gasps) But how am I going to pay the business? You know? But that's where my practice comes in and just trusting that that is part of the process is a big piece of it for me. I really love that you're bringing in like what it's really like, Like (laughs) you know, because it's true. It's like the truth is, is that it's both. It's all the possibilities, which kind of is always the case. We always have all of that available to us. But when we're in a place where we're looking at it, like, well, well, what is it going to be? That energy is really high, right? And then on the flip side, it's like, you got to bring in that practice to be like, how do I stay grounded during this time? Because all the possibilities, that's like up in the air energy sometimes. Yeah. And so we need to find ways to feel stable and grounded and foundation beneath our feet at the same time. And maybe that's what the fear is serving for us in those moments. It's like, just remember, like, you still need to have ground beneath yourself and (laughs) find ways to create the action and you know, there's the moment you're in and then there's the moment you will be in that you're creating at the same time. So it's, it's like quantum physics a little bit. Yeah. I always like to say I'm living the life I never knew I always wanted because... Oh, me too. Isn't that great, right? It's really yeah. about the essence of what we think those things are going to bring us. So what do I really think that having that prestigious career or that award is going to bring me? Well, it's usually, it's going to make me belong. It's going to make me feel like I'm loved. It's going to bring me like the sense of like worthiness. And if I can start to learn how to embody and then cultivate that in my own self, regardless of these outside circumstances, then really all that's left is for me to just cultivate more experiences that enhance that already internal experience more and more. Mm-hmm. And then once I'm in that place, I really believe that that creates this compound effect of empowerment that allows me to go in and actually have that sort of what for me, I describe as like, I have a deep desire to create meaningful something for others in the world in a way like I get a lot of nourishment out of knowing that something I did has lifted you up in some way or helped cause change for the better in your world in some way. And so when I let go of what I think that should look like and just believe that that's the feeling that I would like to elicit, then magic starts to happen. And I'm just blown away time and again. I never could have imagined that 
my life today would look like the way it looks if you would have asked that 16-year-old Kansas girl, that's where I'm from, if you would have asked her what it would look like, I would never have described the exact circumstances of my life today. But it's exactly what I craved at 16. Just mm-hmm. looks different than what I thought it would look like. And that's okay. That's actually better for me. Yeah. I'm grateful for this part of the conversation again, too, because the essence took me a long time to understand what that word meant. I'm like, okay, the essence of what? (laughs) Yeah. So for me to like embody what that means. So I love talking about it now because I finally understand it, but I'm sure there's others out there that are like essence, like who talks like that? You know, (laughs) like maybe their world isn't speaking in this way yet. And it took me a while to get there too. And it's lovely to hear you say it and you say it so eloquently, like that truly is like the way it works. But trusting that that is actually how it works can be really foreign if you've never heard it before, but it really does work that way. And how would you define essence of something Mm, for someone who maybe is hearing this for the first time? Well, it's like basically getting down to the nitty gritty of the analogy that came forth when you were talking was like, you know how we have these, we used to, I don't know, Brita filters, right? So you put the water with all the minerals and the fluoride into this pitcher and then there's this filter and it filters out all of those more toxic kinds of minerals for our bodies so that you get like purified clean water. Mm -hmm. And that's at the end of the day, what I consider the essence of what I really want. So let's take, for example, like I want to be an artist, which I'm not an artist at all. Actually, I can't even draw a stick figure, but let's just for the sake of the analogy, say I want to be an artist. And I imagine that I would create this beautiful art that would exist in LACMA or the Met, you know, or I'm an NFT artist that makes millions of dollars or whatever. And so I think that that's really what I want. But if I want to really boil it down to the essence, I kind of start to think about what is it about being in the Met that makes me excited? Oh, well, other people will see my art and I'll make really good money. What is it about really good money and other people see my art that makes me want that. Well, when people see my art, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel talented. It makes me feel like my art is creating and or eliciting some sort of a response in somebody. And why do I want the money? Well, because I want to travel, be able to pay the bills and I want a new car. Well, what is it that the new car, the travel, the adventure, right, really instills in me? And at the end of the day, if you keep going down that, right, Well, the money and the travel make me feel happy inside. Why? Because I'm experiencing new things. Why? Because experiencing new things makes me happy. What really do I want? I want to be happy. I want to have peace. I want to have, you know, and you just distill, distill, distill. And for me, that distillment process really turned into, I thought that I needed all of these accolades and prestigious careers in order to make me happy When really the storytelling and the meditation teaching, what it does for me is it makes me feel connected. It makes me feel like I have meaning in the world. It makes me feel good to know that I'm helping somebody. And so I can elicit that kind of reaction and behavior in so many different things. And if I focus on that, then maybe I can stay open to the fact that it may not be storytelling and it may not be meditation. It may be being on a podcast with my friend Barcy. Like <laughs> there's so many different ways. And so when I stay open, then now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, podcasting, this feels really awesome. That gives me that same kind of lift and endorphin enhancement that creating that art does. Mm-hmm. And maybe I want to try podcasting, you know, like. I think that's kind of what I'm getting to. It's a very long roundabout way of saying that's the essence for me. Yeah, no, that's great. And I don't think it's roundabout at all. I think it was the distillation process of, you know, breaking it down and breaking it down and breaking it down. And I read an article recently, I think it was actually in Forbes. I was doing some research on fulfillment because I'm doing a presentation on Friday And it said, play the kid why game, which is kind of what you just shared, Mm. which is just keep asking why to boil things down to, he was basically saying the essence with different words, but to kind of lead us to what it is that we really want. We use the word purpose a lot as well. These things can be linked to purpose. I don't think they're synonymous or the exact same thing, but they're connected to that for sure. Because meaning, we want to have meaning around 
the things we do. Even if we think we don't, we do. (laughs) So I appreciate that. I wish someone explained it to me that way when I was first hearing it. So I think that's perfect. And it's a great reminder too, for any of us that are doing something new, whenever we do something new, we kind of have amnesia again. So if you're trying something (laughs) new, it's, these are great reminders to be like, what if I just asked myself, why and just distilled it down to the feeling the feeling the thing that you want to feel that you want a part of every day like what is that thing that you want to feel every day how can you bring a little bit of that in each day and where does it already exist and that's the gratitude part right like where have I already created it and how can I connect with that and realize that I have a little bit of it already do you do that do you find that that's part of your process too or 100%. That's why I say I'm living the life I never knew I always wanted because I have an amazing life today. An amazing life. Yes, I struggle. Yes, I worry. Yes, I get in my head. And I think of like my dad who lived in a mud hut with dirt floors and basically comes from abject poverty. To one generation later, his daughter is a producer in Hollywood, you know, like, and his son is an officer in the Navy. And the dream of that, right, the dream of leaving a country to come for the better life and then it actually happening. And so I have deep, deep, deep gratitude for my entire life and the trajectory of it, all the ups and the downs, because it seems like every time I was in a down moment, I somehow transmute that into even greater gratitude Mm. because there's something about going through pain that makes the pleasure so much more pleasurable for me anyway. And not in every case, but certainly in a lot of the cases, I think, man, I struggled so hard with that, but thank God, because it brought me to here. And there have been times where I'm like, I struggled in that and I didn't need to. So next time don't need to go there. Right. But still, that's a lesson learned. Mm-hmm. That's gratitude. Yeah. So I am grateful when I go to Fryman Canyon and, you know, take a long walk in nature, which I actually did over in the Hollywood Hills recently, this past weekend. And it was all overgrown from all the rains. And I was just blown away by wow. the nature and thinking to myself, ah, this was the dream of mine to always be in a place like this and to have sunshine and yeah, just dreamy, dreamy, dreamy. So gratitude is a huge piece of my practice and doesn't take away from my desires and of wanting other things too. But knowing that if nothing else came again, I have lived an amazing life and have had an amazing journey and nearly every dream has come true. The only dream that hasn't come true is children. And it wasn't in the cards for me to have children, but I have a beautiful niece and nephew And so it's perfect because I can love up on them. And so in many ways, that's also part of the dream. So yeah, I'm really happy. Wow. I feel all the joy coming from you when you speak. And it feels grounding to me to hear you speak in this way because it's a real process. You're sharing the real process of (laughs) not knowing sometimes and having to have a practice. And because that's what it's really like. And I think it's important to mention it because I think often in circles where we talk about like how to achieve the positive things you want in your life, it can get a little too positive, yeah. <laughs> like in the sense that we're not being realistic and we're forgetting to mention that the healing is actually difficult and it's painful sometimes. And there's shadow side to all of that. And it's an up and down experience, but it can be up and down and still feel grounded. If that makes sense. Like you sound so grounded. And I think joy is very connected to that and presence coming back to what we shared during the talk around meditation. And I would love to know what you think one takeaway would be for the listener, what you would like that takeaway to be from this conversation. Mm. Well, I think you encapsulated it pretty perfectly just now that joy can coexist with struggle, right? And that it's kind of like being in the ocean. Have you ever been caught in an undertow? Oh my gosh, yes. Oh God, yeah. And this idea that like panic and stress is going to actually be worse on you than just like relaxing into the water. Or if you think of like a storm at the bottom of the ocean, it's super calm. Mm. It's at the top where everything's just like frantic, but the very bottom is calm. And so for me, the biggest evolution has come with this 
place of like, rather than freaking out every time something didn't go my way or I didn't get the thing I wanted or I was rejected in some way or my worst nightmare came true and this one thing happened that instead of like freaking out and thinking my life is over, now I can actually go, wow, humanity is here again. Here I am humaning Mm -hmm. and it sucks sometimes and I'm going to cry just even thinking about it because it's not an easy process when the pain is there and when the struggle is there. It's so hard. But the evolution comes from knowing that I can navigate it. Now, if I just make my way to the bottom of the ocean through whatever it is, for me, it's my meditation and spiritual practices and my toolbox of those kinds of things and just weather the storm in that place eventually it passes and eventually I rise and eventually the world becomes that world again where I'm hiking in Fryman and looking at the foliage and saying thank you you know thank you thank you for this life I get so moved by that because when I'm in those deep dark places it feels insurmountable (laughs) but as I've gotten older I just realize like that's not true It's always possible to make my way through to the other side, inevitably. And it doesn't mean it's painless, but I always make it through. And so I would say, thanks to you, because that's where you ended, that that would be my biggest takeaway and really encouraging people to find a spiritual or behavioral practice that works for them to get them to that place of knowing. Yeah. Thank you for that. Trusting yourself, finding a way to trust it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. How can we connect with you? Oh, gosh. Um, Well, I am on Instagram at I am Norma Rubio. Pretty much that's all my handles everywhere. And then my website is normarubio.com. Would love to hear anyone's thoughts and to connect with your audience in any way I can. Thank you so much, Norma. This was such a lovely conversation and I appreciate your heartfelt way of sharing. And I mean, I teared up at least three times during your time. <laughs> story of my life. Which is story of my life too. But <laughs> it's lovely because it's honest and it comes back to that truth and trust. So thank you for sharing from the heart. It's lovely. It's beautiful. And thank you. Mm, thank you. I so appreciate you, Farsi. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Beeble Begin. We hope that these episodes inspire and empower you to take your next steps in your own intuitive journey towards a life or business that feels clear, authentic, and aligned. And if you're ready for more tools and guidance like courses and free events, then I'd love to invite you to my new Intuitive Creators Academy and Collective. It's free to join. Just follow the link in the show notes and remember to DM me once you get there to receive a special gift for being a listener of Beeple Begin. I'll look forward to seeing you there.